that one day in September returns home to the MCG on Saturday, and we are all like kids at Christmas time, and not just because we've got a stack of public holidays ahead of us. The preliminary final weekend gave us everything footy fans expect and want in finals. Thrills, spills, controversy, and yes, even a massive blowout. We have our Brownlow medalist, we have our grand finalists, and we have Footy Live's number one analyst, Nick Guilliminio, here to break it all down one last time for the 2022 season. And a uh, question without notice, Nicky G, but uh, what number grand final is this for you at Footy Live? Uh, yeah, very good question. Is it number five, maybe? I believe it's number five. And uh, off air, you said that you weren't as excited for this one as you have been for previous ones, excluding yeah. Hawthorne ones. <laughs> yeah. How excited are you? And will you get more excited when it's Saturday afternoon and you're at a, you're at a grand final a barbecue and, you know, the game's being played in daytime and it's yeah. it's all back to the niceties that we've come to love about grand final day. Absolutely. When, you know, when the grand final training images start coming in and the grand final parade starts kicking in, that's when I think the, the grand final fever really starts to build. Um, obviously, it's been, um, you know, it's, it's still early in the week uh, for us at the time of recording and uh, <laughs> the grand final news has been somewhat drowned out by the Hawthorne allegations this morning. So there hasn't been too much grand final chit chat to start, but I'm no doubt that as the week progresses, that hype will build, and I'm expecting I'm expecting a very good game between the Cats and the Swans, two very deserving um, grand finalists, and they should put on a pretty good show, I think. Absolutely. You mentioned there the breaking news about the Hawthorne allegations. Uh, we won't get into too much here. This is a, a grand funnel uh, podcast and things are changing so quickly in that space that the best place to check it out will, of course, be the Footy Live news feed. But speaking of Media Watch, let's do a little bit of a deep dive into uh, some of the media, more, I suppose, happy media talking points in the last seven days. And, of course, the number one question is... Was well, 17th to Premiers just one step too far for Collingwood? Of course, they came one point away from being into a grand final berth, and now everyone on Twitter, on social media, out in the streets, out at the local coffee shop, is just in love with Craig McRae and the Collingwood Football Club. So are they now everyone's second favourite team? I don't know if you can convince many supporter groups that uh, Collingwood would be their second favourite team, but... Um, Honestly, I, I, I started enjoying watching Collingwood this season, as did, I think, many people as well. Um, a very fun team to watch, um, very entertaining games and finishes, as, as we've come to know. And, um, and yeah, they, they produced another one um, on the weekend in the, semi, in the prelim final. So, um, yeah, they, they fell just short, a little bit of the taste of their own medicine. Um, but... In the end, I mean, that's what they build their season on. So uh, all those tight finishes, the belief. So it, it's somewhat of a fitting end to their season, even though it ends in heartbreak. Um, I think Collingwood supporters should just be proud of how far their team have come. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I mean, they'll be wrapped, as you said, from second last to, you know, one kick away from a grand final. That is... A huge jump, and yeah, Craig McRae, Coach of the Year now, uh, very much deserved, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they can back this up next se- next season. But yeah, very very good signs uh, from a Collingwood perspective, and um, I saw on Twitter a bit uh, Carlton fans giving it to Collingwood after 
they dished out a, a round 23 hard break. But look, yeah, I don't think that there's much much of a leak to stand on. Collingwood fans should be very happy with where their team finished this season. Absolutely. And though everyone, as you mentioned on Twitter, is quick to put the boot in, and everyone is already asking in messaging chats, what will they do next year? Was it all just a one-year dream? Can they possibly get any better? Is Pendles too old? As I've said a couple of episodes ago, we will be doing club-by-club reviews in the off-season once we've had time to relax and get out the notepads and break down the, uh, the trade lists as we do for 24 hours a day for the next fortnight after the grand final. But, uh, yeah, what's your gut feel on Collingwood? Will they be there and thereabouts next year, or was this year a bit of a fluke? I don't know if we can put that expectation on them to make top four again. Obviously, um, they overachieved this season, and I mean that in a good way, not a bad way. Um, I I still think they're a rebuilding team, probably ahead of a lot of the other rebuilding teams, but I still put them in that category where they're developing a lot of young players and... Look, this season was remarkable. It was a special season. Um, they had a lot, of, a lot of luck go their way. They produced a lot of their own luck. Um, but to ask them to back that up and do it again next season, I think will be a big task. Obviously, they'll have the intention of playing finals. And um, I think anything other than, you know, I think, I, I think making the top eight uh, will be a pass mark for them. That's what they should be gunning for. And um, yeah, again, Probably sh- shouldn't be in that premiership talk, but you know after this season, who knows? So we'll wait and see. That we will. One that we do have to go and jump in on review, and maybe it is too quick to review their season yet. But uh, is Brisbane and how far off the mark were they really? So they had two epic backs against the walls games in the funnels to get them into that position, and then uh, they essentially either didn't show up or had nothing left against Geelong. Uh, in the first preliminary funnel. Is it a disappointment? Is it okay to get to the preliminary funnel? Are we afraid that this, these guys might be the uh, Brad Scott North Melbourne crew who get to the second last dance but never get to the big one? Mm. What's your read on Brisbane? Yeah, I can't help but feel a little bit disappointed with the Lions. I, I did expect more from them uh, in the prelim. Obviously, very good for them to get there and knocking off Melbourne. Um, but that just seemed like their grand final in the end. Uh, they used all their tickets in, on that game. And then, you know, when Geelong rolled around, um, yeah, I was expecting Brisbane to continue that momentum. But they just looked gassed. They were beaten by a better team. Um, disappointing to see because I, I think maybe Melbourne could, probably would have put up a better fight than that. I, I wouldn't see Melbourne getting smashed by, what was it, in the end, 70 points, I think. So, um, yeah, disappointing. And quite frankly, I think we should be expecting more from the Lions. This this was their fourth season in a row in finals, fourth or fifth, fourth, I think. Um, yeah, and the fact that they haven't been able to make a grand final yet or even, you know, look like making a grand final. It's not like they've just missed out by, you know, close prelims and they've had a bit of bad luck. It seems though it seems like every time finals rolls around for them, um, they they lose games. They're expected to win. They've lost games at the Gabba before, um, and yeah, they've just been very underwhelming come finals time. So um, they'll they'll no doubt <laughs> load up again for next season. Um, the, apparently, they're getting Josh Dunkley, that, so that'll help. They get the number one draft pick most likely in Ashcroft and potentially even Jack Gunston as well. So 
I expect him to be thereabouts again next season. But um, yeah, uh, with the likes of Lockie Neal and Joe Danaher and some of those other players, um, yeah, I just expected a bit more of a fight from them. Ooh. Oh, you've cut out. I can't. Is that oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Come back. Yep. Yep, we're good. Where there was a fight, however, was on Sunday night, and you will be forgiven for missing the Brownlow Miller count this year. Uh, rearranged, postponed, pre-emulated, changed dates, we want to call it, uh, because of the passing of the Queen and her funeral. But we finally got a good one. Well, can a Brownlow count be good? I don't know. I just I just follow the votes on the <laughs> app. It's not really must-watch viewing for me, but that's just me. But um, was that the best Brownlow count we've had ever in the last decade, in the last five years? And is Paddy Cripps the nicest Brownlow medalist we've had in our lifetime? Uh, oh, good questions. Uh, first part of that question, like it was a very good Brownlow count, definitely one of the best we've had, certainly in the last five or so years, five or ten years. I do recall that early 2000s vote where we did have a three-way tie. I think it was uh, Adam Goods. Um, Mark Rusciuto. Okay, my memory's being tested here, but you get what I mean. And uh, yeah, that's probably yeah, probably that one would have to be the best of all time. And um, but yeah, Paddy Cripps, very deserving winner. It has to be said. I mean, he started the year off brilliantly. Kind of surprised he didn't get three votes in the first five or six games in each of them. But um, nonetheless, he obviously did enough to. Um, be the winner and he, he finished the season off strongly and uh, obviously under controversial circumstances after being let off with his fine. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't control that. <laughs> so um, we won't get too much into that. But yeah, I think he's a deserving winner and um, he was always going to get one eventually. Paddy Cripps is an absolute champion and a ripper bloke, like you said as well. A very nice guy and uh, another product of that Northampton uh, uh, footy factory over in WA produced some uh, ripping players. Josh Kennedy, another one, Coleman medalist, and obviously retiring this season. So very fitting for Paddy Cripps to uh, win it this season um, after you know Josh Kennedy decided to uh, hang up the boots. Yeah. Great for that uh, tiny WA town. Quite clearly, footballers are their number one export. To help you out with your memory there too, it was a 2003 Brandley medal count uh, that yeah. had the three-way tie between Rusciuto, Goods and Buckley. And then there was a three-way tie for second between Cousins, Wanganee and Crawford, one vote behind. And a three-way tie for third, uh, all on 19 <laughs> points, only three votes behind between Voss, Peter Bell, James Hurd and McLeod. And Harvey were on 18 points, Nigel Lappin on 19, so on and so forth. I think going into the final, round there was eight uh players that could that could win it so, um yeah. if the votes went their way so that but was truly bonkers count. but yeah <laughs> but uh but 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 sunday was was pretty pretty good and yes patty cripps lovely speech but you know how nice can a guy be if he gets in after getting off after kano a bloke in the back of the head but uh no <laughs> what happens on the footy field stays on the footy field we won't uh, hold too much against him of course, once the Brownlow's out of the way, we turn our attention to the training runs, to the, the diehard fans that, that line up against the fences down at Cadinia Park or the SCGs, a farewell there. 
their players off into the battle cauldron that is the grand funnel, and we'll get there. And so, you know, inspired by the likes of Brett Kirk, who will be whispering sweet nothings in the ears of all the Sydney players, the motivational guru that he is. Uh, yeah, the last stop of the Holy Grail. The Grand Funnel festivities happen well, right now, actually. You want to go check out the Grand Funnel uh, Festival? You can. It's down at MCG Park, and we just happen to be running it, so go check it out. Um, but otherwise, this year's Grand Final features a nice mix of veterans, of young bloods, of a t- team on the rise, and a team that never wants to say die. But uh, let's go through each of the teams, and we'll start with the, uh, with the underdogs, with the young bloods. What's your read on the Sydney Swans, and how do you think they can uh, pull off an upset and upset all the Melbournians who are finally glad to see the Grand Final back at the MCG? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I give Sydney a massive chance to win. Obviously, when they when they play their best footy, they're um, obviously one of the most devastating sides in the competition. How do they win the grand final? It has to be through pressure. I think that's that's one of their um, yeah their biggest strengths. Uh, we've seen it in this final series as well, uh, particularly in the first week against uh, Melbourne and the first half against Collingwood, but. When they get set up defensively and, um, yeah, their contested footy and their tacklings on song, then they're a very hard team to beat. Um, they've obviously got good individual defenders as well, very good individual midfielders and a lot of players that can kick goals as well. They don't have to just rely on Franklin. And I know Sam Reid won't be there. He's obviously the heartbreak story of the grand final. Um, but yeah, they've got very a lot of different avenues to goal, uh, particularly from midfield. So um, yeah, I, I think they've got uh, a massive chance to knock off the Cats. Um, obviously, Geelong being the best side uh, this season, they haven't lost many games of footy. But um, you know, if if we had to pick a team that you know could do it, I, I'd put Sydney up there. So yeah, they're in for a massive a massive um, chance. They're in with a massive chance and. Yeah, I think as a club as well, Sydney have um, succeeded so much over the last 10 years. There's been a lot of talk about uh, Geelong's impressive run of finals appearances over the last decade, but this is going to be Sydney's fourth grand final over the last uh, 10 years. So that's obviously two more than um, two more than Geelong has played. That's one more than what Richmond have played, and it's, it's level with Hawthorne. So... Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a massive achievement to reach their fourth grand final, a sixth for Buddy Franklin. Um, and yeah, I think all that's left to do now is get some reward for effort and uh, get that second premiership in the last 10 years and their sixth overall. So very looking forward to the, the Swans on Saturday. There we go. And with that opportunity comes a lot of headlines during the week as well. And I want you to pick either one from these three or your very own. That is the prominent headline or the massive story behind, um, you know, their, their grand funnel campaign. So is it the McCartans reveling in an unlikely AFL reunion? A, t- a very touching uh, brotherly story there. Was it uh, Lance Franklin committing to next year? Not only that, but obviously finally getting the opportunity to to pay off the massive ransom that he held this club against, the nine-year megabucks deal that everyone thought was going to be an absolute waste of cash and clearly wasn't. Or is it the Young Bloods being ahead of schedule? Is this opening the dynasty? As you said, really, this is the team that's never gone away. Four grand finals in 10 years. All of a sudden, they've played the most minutes for any club for players under the age of 25 this year. And all of them seem to be embedded now in their best 22. So there's plenty of room there to grow into the future. Which of those three storylines do you think will be the biggest if they win uh, come Saturday? I think all, all three topics uh, will probably get a very good run in the end if they do pull off a win, especially the Lance Franklin one. But 
I'm leaning towards the McCartan brothers and particularly Paddy McCartan. I don't think he would have seen himself in this position 24, uh, yeah, 24 months ago or 12 months ago. Certainly, um, yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't at a footy club. He's, I mean, he probably didn't think he, he was going to return to footy and, you know, 12 months after signing with the Sydney Swans, he's, you know, in a grand final. So, um, yeah, it's a remarkable turnaround. It's a remarkable story of perseverance and, um, yeah, n- not giving up. So, you know, if, if they do win, um, that's obviously the, the feel-good story for this season. And for his sake, I, I hope they do win. But, um, yeah, that's probably what I'll go with. But also, Franklin, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit I was one of those people who didn't think he'd make it uh, through his, um, his nine-year contract. So to see him get signed for a 10th season, that is, it's just, it's remarkable. No, no one saw it coming. Um, everyone doubted him. And yeah, if, I mean, if he can deliver Sydney that um, elusive premiership that, the, you know, that's been hanging over the club since he arrived. Um, yeah, that's, that's also a very good story. Another question without notice then is that if he does win a premiership, and not only win a premiership on the weekend, but also play a starring role, let's say he does what he always does and kicks, you know, four or five goals, mm-hmm. uh, will he be remembered as a swan or as a hawk when he retires? Yeah, good question. Uh, <laughs> you know where I'm going to sit with this argument. I'll, I'll always say, I mean, he played half of his, literally half of his career at each club. So... I mean, yeah, it's split down the middle in terms of games, almost in terms of goals. I think it's still just in favour of Hawthorne. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think um, recency bias will probably play a factor for many people and they'll say, they'll say Sydney. But uh, for me, I, th- I still think a lot of his best years were at Hawthorne. So that includes, you know, he's, he's 100th, uh, he's 100th, Sorry, his 100-goal season in 2008. His 13-goal game against North Melbourne at, in Launceston. Uh, some of his best goals in his career um, was, were, were at Hawthorne as well. Um, and yeah, I think I think his, his actual peak of his career was at Hawthorne as well, 2012, um, even 2008. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say Hawthorne, and obviously the two premierships as well to go with it. Um, I'm going to say Hawthorne, but um, yeah, there's probably an argument for both. We'll be back after a quick break. There is, and also there's a historical reference point for both as well, and that being uh, Tony Plugger Lockett. So obviously didn't play for Hawthorne, played for St Kilda, yeah. uh, and pretty much even splits uh, in relevancy, not so much games. So he played 183 games at St Kilda, 98 at Sydney, 
all of the, the bulk of his of his heavy lifting, massive goal goal bags were at uh, St Kilda, but all obviously of his major milestones happened at Sydney, much like with with uh, Buddy as well when he broke the thousand goal mark, when he overtook the all time goal scoring records. Um, yeah. They all happened as in a Swans Swans jersey, and he is in the team of the century for both, and I'm sure that Buddy will go down and and in both as well. However, I don't think Buddy will win a Brownlow medal. So uh, there's always there's always that room for improvement next year. In year number 10 at the Swans, yeah. Lance Franklin becomes the Brownlow medalist. In more likely things is that the Cats will win the grand final on a Saturday than Buddy winning a Brownlow, such is the uh, era of football that we're in. But what's the case here for the Cats? And it can't just be that they've been the best year, best team all year and therefore they'll win it on the grand final day. Yeah, you're right. It can't just be that because we've said that before and it hasn't really panned out that way for Geelong uh, in terms of being the best team and, and, and not delivering. But yeah, the pressure is going to be on them, obviously, being minor premiers and given their uh, finals record over the last few years. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I still think Geelong are the better team uh, when compared to Sydney. They they um, they have the experience on their side. Um yeah, the, I think they've got. I think they're more balanced in terms of having stars across all the lines. Hawkins, Cameron, Dangerfield, players that, and in Dangerfield especially, he's he's one that, you know, is chasing that that um, elusive premiership as well. So, um, I think I think there's a lot riding on this game for the Cats. Actually, I feel like a lot of their um, their reputation as a playing group and Chris Scott is riding on this game lose this and um, they you know I don't think they're going to be remembered I think their premiership window is closing and this might be one of their last chances at a, at a flag so um, they won't want to throw this away um, they want to, yeah they'd want to leave it all out there try and try and get that flag and get the pressure off the club and they do deserve a premiership in all fairness I mean they've been remarkably consistent over such a long period of time so the flag is all they deserve and yeah I mean if they if they play their best footy Gordo on Saturday I, I really can't see them losing they were at their best in the prelim against Brisbane I mean they they absolutely blew the lines away um they didn't let the pressure get to their head they didn't let the pressure get to their head against Collingwood either but you saw Dangerfield he wound back the clock um I thought that was his best game all season and maybe over the last few years, to be honest. Um, 28 disposals, two goals. I thought Tom Hawkins was brilliant. If he had his kicking boots on, he probably could have had six or seven. Um, and Tyson Stengel, the wild card. Uh, all, if, all these plays, if they play like that uh, on Saturday, like they did last week, I, I can't see them losing. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be on Sydney to stop Geelong, you know, doing what they do best, which is dominate territory and, and cover the grounds as well as they do. So, um, yeah, play the play their best and, and, and they win. Yes, sometimes it is just as simple as that. And sometimes the headlines are just as simple as that as well. And so the obvious three are all about people that just haven't done that one thing that's left to tick off their resume. So if or when the Cats win on the weekend, will it be... Uh, that Dangerfield finally gets that elusive AFL premiership? Is it that Gary Rowan finally gets the finals monkey off his back? Or is it that Chris Scott finally gets to say, yes, I am actually a really, really good AFL coach? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, if they, if they win, the story will definitely be, I think, Dangerfield. Um, 
I mean, he he went to Geelong to win a premiership, and uh, and and they've been favourites in a lot of the seasons that he's been around. Obviously, it hasn't been delivered, but you know, if he wins it, or and even wins the Norm Smith, and the and the story is going to be all about him and. Um, even Jeremy Cameron, to an extent, you know, he he made the big move across from GWS. So um, I think that would be the um, the biggest story. But yeah, I think Chris Scott will also deserve a lot of the credit as well. Um, we talk about Geelong's consistency, uh, and you know, if if he can, his his first premiership with the Cats obviously came with that 2011 team, which was. Ultimately, I mean, it gets spoken about that it was uh, Mark Thompson's team um, and people say that anyone could have coached them to a premiership that year. Uh, a lot easier said than done, obviously. But, you know, if Chris Scott can deliver this premiership for, for Geelong, then, um, yeah, he'll, he'll rightfully get uh, the plaudits uh, that he deserves and uh, silence a lot of critics. Absolutely. And so we must turn our attention now to, you know, Where's the where's the advantage? Because I think it is all advantage along at the moment. The bookies are saying that. The gut feel is saying that. But there's obviously a lot of groundswell for Sydney. And I think the two areas that can, Sydney can really cause the upset is bringing the pressure, like you said. If they can play with that intense um, secondary ball phase pressure, you know, outside just of contests, but, you know, secondary follow-ups and just off-the-ball pressure like they have all final series and basically since about round 18, that will force Geelong to, to just not have as much time as they, as they need or want to, to play the ball so so cleanly as they usually do. And the second might actually be in the midfield as well. So despite the fact that Geelong, if you look, read the team sheet, they seem to have a pretty nice midfield in Stanley, Blitzarves, Guthrie, Dangerfield, Selwood, Parfit and Atkins. It's definitely not the best Geelong midfield we've seen in the last 10 years. Up against uh, Hinkley, Hickey, sorry, Reed, Parker, Warner, Mills, Robot, and Papley, some young, energetic, uh, in and unders, tough nuts that will really take it up to some of the legends of the game. Do you think Sydney can realistically win this win this battle, or will the veterans over in Geelong just have the smarts to do what they need to do and then get the ball to their to their forward line, which is truly dominant? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it comes down to Sydney's structure. Uh, we've spoken about it a fair few times over the last few weeks, and. Um, obviously, they've got some incredible players in that midfield group, but even when they were playing against Melbourne's midfield of Oliver and Petrarca and Gorn, and uh, they didn't necessarily have like a perfect matchup for Gorn either, they, they, they still beat Melbourne um, in, in that area of the ground. So, um, yeah, honestly, it just comes down to their defensive pressure. And, um, you know, you can have the best players in the competition, but, you know, at the end of the day, it does come down to... Um, the effort and the intensity. So if they bring that, I think they can they can stop Geelong and beat Ge- beat Geelong in that um, area of the field too. And um, you, you're halfway there. I think um, that I mean, you, there's no way you can go head to head with Geelong and um, expect to win in terms of trying to you know control the ball and um, beat them through you know chip kicking and precise kicking. That's not going to work. You you got to put them under pressure, you've got to make them crack and, um, yeah, make it hard for them to deliver that ball inside 50. So, realistically, absolutely, Sydney can win. We've, we've seen their best footy this season. Um, we know what they're capable of and all they have to do is just bring it on the on, on the final day and if they do, then, yeah, I mean, they, they can take it right up to the Cats. 
Yeah, that's one of the things we do know is that it is possible. What we don't know is who is going to win, just like everyone else before the grand final is played. Another thing that we absolutely do know, however, is that most people, if they're attending a, a barbecue of some description, will be trying to uh, work out their sweepstakes or how to rig them or how to pick them for themselves. The Norm Smith, the first goal kicker, and, of course, who is going to win this thing. And uh, so to start off, I've got a narrative-based one before I throw to you for let's go to Norm Smith first. And it's a matchup between Tom Hawkins and Tom McCartan. As we said, the narrative around the McCartan brothers reuniting on an AFL stage and finally making it to a grand final uh, is absolutely delicious. Do you think that a Norm Smith medalist could be a key defender if Tom McCartan keeps Tom Hawkins goalless and not only goalless but like touchless like just an absolute shutout of a game take away one of the big spearheads of the Geelong Cats can we give the norm to Tom McCartan for that? Absolutely absolutely I think obviously Geelong's um, forward line is obviously the the most potent in in the AFL Hawkins especially he's uh, what did he kick this year 59 60 goals I think he was the league's leading assist man as well. I mean, he, he's so important to the way Geelong play. And then you've got Jeremy Cameron as well, one of the best centre-half forwards in the in the competition, if not the best. So if, if Sydney win and, you know, either of the McCartan brothers manage to keep uh, Hawkins or, or Cameron to one or zero goals or just nullify their impact completely and take a few intercept marks to, uh, to go with it, Absolutely, absolutely. That that'll be taken under consideration. Fullbacks winning the winning the um, Norm Smith isn't um, isn't something new. Brian Lake did it a few years ago. Even um, in terms of defenders, not so much fullbacks, but Batchahuli pr- probably put in a good game in was it 2017. Obviously, Martin won the award, but uh, Hawley could have easily won it that season as well. So it's, it, it's nothing new for a defender to pick up. Um, to pick up the Norm Smith medal and, uh, yeah, shut out either of those two important factors for Geelong in the two key forwards. And, yeah, absolutely, it's it's up there for grabs. Absolutely. But uh, is that your tip for the Norm Smith medal from uh, your heart of hearts? No, because I predict Geelong to win. As much as I would like Sydney to win as a Hawthorne supporter, I think Geelong will win and I'm leaning towards uh, Paddy Dangerfield, to be honest. He just turns it on come finals time. Uh, it's hard to disagree because he's also my pick. If Geelong win, uh, it's going to be almost impossible. Just like, you know, the dusty factor was, oh, he won the Brownlow that year, so we better give him the norm as well. It's the whole narrative of Paddy Dangerfield's career has been you've left to come get this premiership and then, you know, you've, you've built this team up. You've been one of the linchpins. You've won a Brownlow medal. Now you just need this one thing left, and we may as well just give you the norm as well, like a like a norm for all the work you've done, a collective career norm as opposed to what you do on match day. But um, but that being said, like last week he went, as you said, went back in the time machine, had outstanding numbers, had an outstanding game. So if he repeats what he did last week, upwards of twenty five to thirty disposals, a stack of inside fifties, you know, a thousand meters gained, a couple of goals, then you know, job done, and it'll be hard not to give him the norm. The The big storyline I want to see, though, if Sydney do win, and it doesn't really match up to their style, it doesn't really match up, there's not a dependence on Buddy, but he has kicked four goals straight last two games against the Cats. Yeah. And he's been involved with seven marks and five score involvements. If we could make that five goals, 
maybe 10 score involvements, really stretch it out, you know, a couple of a couple of more marks. Can we see Lance Franklin getting the norm uh, for the Swans? Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like as well, um, the selectors, I'm, I'm not claiming there's any, um, any corruption amongst the Norm Smith selectors, but I feel like they always lean towards a storyline. Whenever there's... You know, a player. Um, obviously, Dustin Martin's uh, deserved his all three of his um, all three of his Norm Smiths. But I feel like sometimes they just they just pick a Norm Smith Medal winner just to go along with the storyline. Uh, maybe even Cyril Riol as well. You know, there were so many good Hawthorne players that day. And um, but yeah, look, I think absolutely, if Buddy kicks if Buddy kicks three, four, or five goals and Sydney win. It, how can you not? How how would you not be able to pick him um, in such a you know historic year for, for Buddy Franklin? And after his news this week, um, yeah, he's definitely going to have um, yeah a, a lot of voters on his side. And I think as well in in grand finals with with Franklin, um, the last few that he's been in, he's actually probably been Sydney's best player against the Bulldogs. I thought he was Sydney's best. Um, Against Hawthorne when they lost by ten goals, I think I think he was Sydney's best as well. I think he kicked four goals that day. Um, even in that game, Sydney beat Hawthorne. He was Hawthorne's best player in two thousand twelve. So, um, yeah, he, he loves he loves the big occasion. He loves the grand final, and yeah, he he wants a third premiership. There's no doubt about it. It's it's eluded him since uh, since joining Sydney. So he, I'm expecting him to have a big one. There you go. And it's paying nice big bucks as well, $26 if you're that way inclined. The other tricky one for a, a, a grand final barbecue is, of course, first goal kicker. I'll lead off on this one because it is basically just, you know, pick it out of a hat. Who knows what's <laughs> going to happen? Uh, for a long shot, I've seen some analysis from our, our friends over at Stats Insider saying that uh, Isaac Smith is a good shake. Um, given how they line up in the midfield, gets on the outside and can kick a long ball and shut it off last week with a nice long goal. So that's a nice roughie at like, I think it's $53 or something silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but more reasonably for mine is Jeremy Cameron, first goal scorer, $9. He's been the first goal scorer in the three of his last six funnels. So he just gets on the end of it. That's his job at the end of the day. He's going to kick goals, so he should do it. If they get the first centre clearance, kick down his throat, goes back, kicks it straight, first yeah. goal kicker. There you go. Don't mind it. Don't mind it. I'm uh, for Geelong as well. I'm I'm leaning towards uh, Brad Close. He loves he loves a goal, Brad Close. I think there's only been three games this season where he hasn't actually kicked a goal in a game. So I'd definitely put him down for a goal if you if you're into your multis. But um, yeah, first goal, he'd be a decent shout. I don't have the odds in front of me right now, but I don't think he'd be in the top five or ten or anything like that. But the one I, I put down was also Stengel uh, for Geelong at $11.50. Um, yeah, I don't mind that. And for Sydney, I've got Will Hayward, another one that loves a goal, um, like Brad Close. And he's he comes at $17. So I'm, I'm picking my outsiders. Um, usually it does turn out to be one of the outsiders. I think the likes of Cameron and Hawkins might... There might be a greater focus on them in terms of Sydney's defenders and, yeah, maybe, and same with Franklin at the other end. So maybe one of the one of the small players will pop up for a goal to start things off. 
There we go. And so then to round out, the question on everyone's lips is who is going to win this thing? But uh, before I ask you for the final tip of the game, of the final game of 2022, mm-hmm. I've got a little cheat code for you at home. So again, uh, what's going to happen here is that maybe you can't pick a winner. So let's have a look at the line. And the line here is 11.5, two goals. Do we think it's going to be close? I hope it's going to be close. And I think it will be close because Sydney have recorded a pressure factor unseen last week, 203. Again, the number doesn't mean much. I think Fox footy invented it. But a lot of pressure was there when they were the first time they posted a pressure factor over 200 in funnels any any team this year. So they can keep it tight. They can keep it close. All the rest of the stats are just Geelong number one, Sydney number two, Geelong number one, Sydney number three. Like it's the best team versus basically the second best team. It's the result we maybe wanted. We probably wanted a Melbourne Geelong grand final, if we're being honest. But that's okay. So we don't think it's going to be close. But maybe you think Geelong's going to win. So you can have it both ways. So Geelong is paying a dollar fifty-five uh, to win, and Sydney is paying obviously a dollar ninety to cover the two goals. So ideally, you want it to land in the middle of those two. So let's say you put. Five units or $50 on the win and $50 on them to cover. If or the worst case scenario, you lose two and a half units. Best case scenario, you make 72, but you've got two bites at the cherry and at least a winning ticket. And the other thing, thanks to our friends at Sportsbet, they have their grand funnel day insurance policy. So you can put in a three-legged multi, and if any leg fails, you can get all your cash back in bonus bets, which is kind of nice. Again, only do it if you want to. No skin off our nose. But the multi I'll be going with is Geelong to win the first quarter head-to-head. They are the best or equal best with Melbourne first quarter team this year. Sydney, traditionally slow starters. This year they've gone 12-9 and in the first term, only ranked ninth in the competition for first-term performances. So they could come out slow, which would be a very hard yakker back into the game. I believe it's going to be unders. The last five grand finals have gone unders. As much as everyone says we need the high-scoring games for them to be exciting, just have a look at the past couple of grand finals. If it's tight and it's close, everyone is glued to the screens or to their seats at the MCG. And there's a bit of rain around, so unders is probably a fairly decent shout as well. And I think Geelong will win this by less than four goals, probably less than two, uh, but less than four goals gives you a nice, healthy margin there at $7.50. And at the end of the day, they are the better team. If it all goes to script, they should win, but not by much. Hopefully it's not a blowout, um, but I'm taking a Geelong victory. To round us off, Nick, who's going to win the grand final? Yeah, I'm exactly like you, Gordo. I, you have to back the Cats. It, it's hard not to, especially when you're putting money on it. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's got to be Geelong. They're, they're the better team. Um, they've been the better team all season. Um, but like you, I can't, I can't just leave it at that. Um, and, and you mentioned it as well. I have to go under the game the game points line of 164 uh, and a half. So the reason being, I did see a stat that the last five grand finals at the MCG have been under. And that includes Richmond's blowout wins against GWS and Adelaide. So yeah, that's a, it's an interesting take. Um, and, and like you, I think there's going to be a bit of rain and I think it's going to be um, a tight contest and therefore low scoring. So um, Geelong to win and make it under the total game points line and should be good to go. Absolutely. And speaking of good to go, I think we're good to go and start prepping for the long, 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 long weekend ahead. Um, thanks to the Queen and thanks to our Premier Victoria who are giving us the Friday off as well. 
But thank you for joining us for every game of the season. There's one more game to go and you can follow it live in the Footy Live app. But don't take off too early on holidays or your uh, end-of-season trips. We'll be back throughout the off-season doing some trade analysis, doing some club-by-club reviews and previews of the season ahead next year. There's also AFLW on uh, and the draft to come as well. So plenty of stuff to hang around, discuss, uh, chat, and uh, in general just, you know, throw out or take down some hot takes. So uh, until then, enjoy the footy, enjoy the grand funnel, and uh, we'll see you soon.